Well, good evening, Calvary Church, and welcome to Midweek. I'm so excited that you're here uh, watching this this evening. Let me just say thank you to Pastor Marty right now for an opportunity to come and bring a word to you this evening. Uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Cody Winkler, and hey, I was on staff at Calvary uh, just recently at the beginning of the year. Deborah and I moved to Ohio to lead a great church called Dayspring Church. And man, we're so excited that our hearts are still met together with Dayspring and with Calvary. And we know that God is moving. So I want to say again, thank you to Pastor Marty for this opportunity. And man, it's so exciting to see what God is doing in his church during this time. God is building his church. So stay faithful, stay committed, stay plugged in, and let's see what God does even in the midst of this season. Well, hey, you're in this series right now called Let God. What an incredible series it's been. The first week, Pastor Marty kicked it off with Let God Work, and then he went into Let God Serve with some incredible messages, and Pastor Jason brought a good word on Let God Love, and last week, Pastor Rob brought a word from Psalm 23, Let God Be Glorified. Well, tonight I want to talk to you around the topic of Let God Be Worshipped. Come on, Let God Be Worshipped. Worship has been around since the creation of mankind. Like as soon as mankind was created, we were created with the, the sense and the need and the desire to worship, to know God and to enjoy him forever. And so worship is our adoration in response to God's revelation in our life. You see this all throughout the Old Testament that when God reveals himself to a people that they begin to worship him in some form or fashion. And throughout the Old, uh, Old Testament, we see the, the different methods of worship change based upon uh, the, the culture of the day. But because the methods have changed, the heart and the center of who we worship is unchanging. God is unchanging. Now, you might be sitting there like, what is he talking about? The methods have changed. Come on. You know that today the songs that we sing and how we sing them are different than the way that we worshiped in the, in the 80s, and the 50s, and the, the early 1900s, and the 1500s. Worship has changed dramatically from, from just Gregorian chant to the introduction of music to, to the introduction of different elements of music, drums, guitar, piano. You, you know, you know that you have a preference in your worship. You know you do. And some people are watching this and they're like, oh, take me to the good old days. Take me back when we sing hymns in church all the time. Well, how far back do you need to go for that? Because if you go too far back, then, then you're, you're out of line with, the, with what's acceptable in, in your own perspective. And some of us, man, we got a little bit more tolerance for like the lights and, and the louder music and the, the fog or the, the haze in church. I'm telling you, if you want to start a church fight, you introduce a fog machine and a worship set. You'll have some people that love it and some people that hate it. And I'm telling you what, that is just a method of worship. The heart and the center is still God. Can I tell you, though, that the enemy has been trying to distract and to steal our worship since the beginning of time. He, he isn't trying to get us to, to worship him, per se. He's just trying to get us to not worship God. 
If you look at the in Genesis chapter 3, the first sin was the distracting of the attention of obedience and worship. And see, Satan came in the form of a serpent to the woman and said, oh, certainly God didn't really mean you couldn't have that fruit. Maybe God is just trying to withhold something from himself or something good from you. At that point, Eve made a decision to believe what the serpent was saying over what God was saying. And the fruit became more desirable to her. Her her attention, her affection, and her focus shifted from who God was to maybe what he was holding out from her. So she ate the fruit, introduced sin into the world. I think that the first sin was, was pride wrapped around distracted worship. It was We took our focus and our attention off of God, and we, we put it on the things around us. And ultimately, Eve and Adam put worship on themselves. What was being withheld from them? And so I want to just talk with you around this, because if the enemy's trying to distract our worship from God, there's got to be other ways that he's doing it. So we need to declare tonight in this Let, let God series that we're going to let God be worshipped, that we're going to live lives of worship, that we're going to that we're going to fight for our worship. And so I have three points that I want to share with you uh, real quickly as we dive into this let God be worshipped. The, the first one is, when it comes to worship, we got to send it up. Come on, we got to send our worship up towards God. I know that there's times in my life where circumstances and trials and pressures, they kind of come around me and, and my attention, my focus can begin to become on what's going on around me instead of the God that created me and that is alive on the inside of me. It's in those moments when I feel my worship begin to wane and drift a little bit and I stop sending it up because I'm sending it other places. Come on, if we're going to let God be worshipped, we got to send our worship up. Let me show you this uh, verse in Psalm 95, verse 1 through 7. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God. And the great king above all gods, in his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Come on, we got to let God be worshipped because when it comes to our relationship with between us and God, we are the sheep and he is the shepherd. It means that he is in control of everything. Another part of Psalm says that the earth is the Lord's and everything is in it. We should magnify God, send our worship up because he is God and God alone. There are no other qualifiers to our worship. It doesn't matter what's going on around us, our circumstances, our situations, our trials, our pressures, our successes, they're irrelevant in the presence of the Lord because we worship God for who he is, not what he's done for us. We send our worship up because God has revealed himself to us. 
There's a story in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, where, where uh, the, the, the glory of the Lord had not filled the presence because the king had actually disobeyed God's commands. And the, the king passes away, and Isaiah is in the temple. It says, in the, king that Uzi, in the year that King Uzziah died, I was in the temple, and he saw the glory of the Lord fill the temple. And the temple was shaken by the presence of God. And he said that he had a vision of heaven. And he saw these cherubim and seraphim flying around the altar of God. And they were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for who was and is and is to come. They were worshiping God because God is God. And so we got to send our worship up. To God and God alone. We can't send our worship to our finances. We can't send our worship to our family. We can't send our worship to our career. We can't send our worship to our talents. Our worship has to be sent directly to the throne of God. So if we're going to let God be worshipped, we better send that worship up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why? Because worship puts our attention our affection, and our attitude rightfully where they're supposed to be. That's what worship does. When we worship God for who he is, our attention, our affection, and our attitude is rightfully placed where it needs to be. Some of us are distracted in life right now. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that can distract us. But the minute that we put our worship back towards God, our focus will be realigned with where it's supposed to be. Come on, what is the level of your worship tonight? Where's the focus of it at? I would encourage you that if you're distracted or discouraged, if you're living in fear, it might be distracted worship that is the key component in that. And so let's put our worship back where it needs to be. We got to send it up. In fact, right now, right where you're at, can you just do me a favor? Can you just tell God how good he is? And just for about five seconds right now, just say, God, you're so good. And you're so worthy. You're so holy. God, we worship you tonight. Let's send up our praise to the Lord. So we send it up. We let God be worshiped by sending up our worship. The second thing we do is to worship is we got to sink it deep. You heard me. We got to sink it deep. Worship has to become the more something more than what we do. Worship has to become the fabric of who we are. You and I were created and purposed to worship God. In fact, Romans 12 says it this way. I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your act of worship. We're supposed to present our bodies, our emotions, our self, our purpose, and our passion daily to God as an act of worship. Why do we do this? Because when worship is inside of us, it helps direct our perspective. See, when worship is sunk deep into the core of who we are, our perspective is set towards joy. Oh, I want my perspective to be set towards joy because I know 
that the storms and the seasons of life that come around, especially in the middle of a pandemic, have a tendency to steal and rob my joy. See, the Bible is clear that it says that there's one thief, and that thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. If I want to access the abundant life that God has for me, I have to have worship sink deep into my heart so that when the things around me don't go the way that I think they, they should go, what comes out of me is an attitude of worship and a perspective of joy instead of an attitude of disappointment and a perspective of a fear. Worship becomes the fabric of who we are, so our response to situations becomes drastically different. Let me show it to you by the story that's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's a familiar story because it's the story of Jehoshaphat sending the worshipers out to defeat the enemy. I've read this story multiple times, and if I'm not careful and don't read it slowly, I miss a very key part of why Jehoshaphat, in fact, sent the worshipers out. See, if you know this story, you understand that the nation of Israel was being attacked by three armies at one time. That all these armies were coming up against them. And the nation of Israel, in a moment, was, was faced against a battle that seemed like it was too big for them. Fear began to set in. And Jehoshaphat stopped everybody in the middle of fear trying to get an anchor point into their life. And he said, no, we have to seek God's face. So he declared a time of prayer and fasting, and Asaph, one of the prophets, gave a word from the Lord, and the word from the Lord is a word that you and I quote time and time again. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And Asaph gave the, gives this, this prophecy in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and Jehoshaphat, he holds on to the prophecy, and it says the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. You don't have to worry about these enemies, and and then the next verse, right after that, if you look at verse 18 with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. All of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. The Levites, the Kohathites, and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. The moment that fear was trying to creep in, was the same moment that what was the fabric of this nation was shown strongly. Fear was trying to come in. They got a word from the Lord and a direct response from uh, uh, with the word from the Lord was an attitude of worship because worship was who they were. Jehoshaphat and the priests were worshipers. So when they got the word from the Lord, they just didn't run into battle. They stopped and they worshiped God. They fell down before him. They stood up with a shout of praise and some of us are facing some incredible battles right now we're facing battles where there's a lot more month than there is money where our relationships could be falling apart where our job has been put on pause where this pandemic has us locked into a, a, a grip of fear and there's a lot of circumstances around us but when worship sinks deep inside of us we quiet out the voice of fear we get a word from the lord and we bow down and we worship him. We've got to sink worship deep into the fabric of who we are. If we're going to let God be worshiped and we're going to send it up, it has to sink deep into who we are. We've got to lean in 
to the presence of God during this time and not just worship, but become worshipers, every part of our life. So we send it up, we sink it deep, and maybe one of the most important aspects of let God be worshiped is to pass it down, is to pass it down. See, we want to pass down our attitude and our culture of worship from generation to generation to generation. We want it on our children and their children and their children. We want worship to go deep into the youth of our churches and into children's ministry. We, we want worship not just to be lost in a generation. You know, they say that what a generation does in moderation, the generation following will do in excess. So what we do in moderation, the kids that are watching us are going to do in excess. So if we choose to operate in fear when trials and tribulations come our way, the generation behind us is going to choose to do that same thing. So what we pass down through our actions, our behaviors, and our beliefs is the culture that's going to frame the generation behind us. So we need to be guilty to be a generation that is devoted to pass down worship to the next generation. That we won't just do it in moderation. That we're going to worship in the excess of, uh, of, of every that we are because it's deep within us so we send it up and that's the culture and the belief and the DNA that we're going to pass down to the generation that's watching us walk through this season right now we are going to pass down a culture and a perspective of worship Deuteronomy 6 4 through 8 says this hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, with your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you, you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. That's your forehead. You shall write them down on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Listen, this is what we need to do with the attitude of worship. We need to, we need to get with the generation that's coming up behind us. And, and we need to get into a healthy rhythm of talking about them, of the things of the Lord and having spiritual conversations. And in this time of quarantine, we need to take uh, responsibility to have spiritual conversations around the table once again so that our children and our children's children would know the ways of the Lord and would worship him in spirit and in truth with all of their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. We need to pass it down to the next generation. We got to let the generation below us see us worship at the top of our successes, in the middle of our valleys, and at the bottom of our trials, at the bottom of our failures. We got to let them see worship just isn't something that we do 20 minutes in a worship service, but it's who we are and the fabric of our life because it's deep inside of us. And we're going to talk to our kids about the importance of worship. We're going to find a rhythm with them at this time of uncertainty. A rhythm that when we sit in our house, our conversations aren't going to be about what could happen, but who we serve. 
when we eat dinner, we're not going to talk about what, what's out there that is a little bit intimidating, but we're going to talk about the things of God and how God's promises are yes and amen, that he hasn't failed us and he won't fail us because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we're walking with them, we're going to talk about God's creation and, and God's glory and, and how, how splendorous God is and, and who he is and what he's done for us. When they wake up in the morning, we're going to tell them how blessed we are that, that God has given us another day. We're going to pass down worship in our houses. And when we can come back together, we're going to reprioritize and restructure our lives so that we can make sure that the worship in the house of God is our top priority so that the generation below us understands that this is the premium in our life. We're going to worship God in our house, and when we can come back together, we're going to make sure to worship God in his house. And we're going to make sure that all of the houses are, are, are combined together, that we worship God in his house, and we worship God in our house, so that when our kids are sent out like arrows, or the generation behind us grows up, that their house is established as a house of worship. All of us have the next generation looking to us, whether you have kids or not, whether you have grandkids or you don't. All of us are responsible to pass down the attitude, the culture, the DNA of worship to the next generation. I want to encourage you, this midweek service, Calvary Church, to be known for your worship. That we'll send it up to God because God deserves the glory. He deserves it all. That we'll sink it deep. That worship is going to not be our last resort, but it's going to be our first response. And that we're going to pass it down. And can I just encourage you, we're going to make it through this time together. We're going to make it through this time together because God has not stopped moving. God is using you and Calvary Church to transform that region and that area of Naperville and Aurora and the surrounding. God's not done yet building his church. And as we continue to let God be worshipped, let's also stay faithful and committed and bought in to his church. Remember, Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Listen, we are going to get through this together. And what I believe, without a shadow of a doubt in my heart, is that we're not just going to get through it, but we're going to grow through it. And worship is going to be the way that we set the foundation of how we grow. Let me pray over you as we close this evening. I want to thank you for watching again. Thank Pastor Marty for the opportunity. I want to pray over you because some of us have distracted worship. If that's you, we're going to realign our worship back to God again. Some of us have let things create other priorities in our life and we haven't been doing a very good job of passing it down to the next generation. I want to pray over you because now's the time where we can pass it down to the next generation. You know, the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago, but the second best time is right now. So if you have not passed it down to this point, you can start right now. So I want to pray for you. And if you've been living in fear, uncertainty, a little bit of panic because of the situation right now, I want to pray for you that worship will sink deep into your heart. That'll become the fabric of who you are. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that Psalm says that you are the rock of our salvation. And so, Father, because of that, we come into your presence with thanksgiving and singing. So, God, I pray that if we, our worship has been distracted, Lord, that we would realign our, our entire focus and, and worship you and you alone. God, that if, if our response to what's going on around us right now has been in fear or uncertainty, a little bit of anxiety or panic, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit and your presence right now, worship would become deep in our spirit and our core. It would become not just what we do, but who we are. Father, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, touch people that we would be worshipers. And God, that we would be guilty of passing worship down to the next generation. Lord, that we wouldn't let somebody else do it, that we wouldn't wait for somebody else to do it, but God, that we would take responsibility to get a rhythm, to pass down a culture and DNA of worship to the next generation. God, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that's due your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much again. Thanks, Pastor Marty, for the opportunity. It's so fun to be speaking to Calvary Church again. Listen, I can't wait till we can all be together when, when this stuff starts to lift. We're going to come visit. We love you guys. We miss you. Pray for us here in Ohio. God's doing an amazing work. He's going to build this church. I pray that you're blessed. I love you. See you later. Amen, Pastor Cody. Thank you for that powerful word. If you'd like prayer today, please comment below on Facebook or YouTube. We want to partner with you in prayer. Thank you for joining us today and know that as a staff, we're constantly praying for your protection and your provision. Remember, God's got our church, God's got us, and may God bless you. Take care.